baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, I tell you, this next guest I'm really excited about because so many people have been talking about what's going on with banks and that sort of thing. But Ted Rossman is joining us. He's the senior banking analyst at bankrate.com. Okay, who is it and why are we talking to him? Well, one of the previous norms of being married was creating a joint bank account. Oh, my gosh, this goes way back. But younger romantic couples may not see this as a rite of passage, according to a recent study from Bankrate bankrate.com, millennial and Gen Z couples are more likely to maintain separate accounts and keep financial secrets from their partners. Bankrate senior industry analyst Ted Rossman authored an article on these findings, and he joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker hotline to explain the results. Welcome, sir. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay, so here's the thing, Ted, Mr. Ted. (laughs) When I think about what my marriage was like when we got married at the age of 21, we bought a house first, and then we lived in this house for 13 years, and it was so difficult for me to get him focused on us doing a joint account. Um, And I wonder if it is as difficult today to do it as it was back in the 1980s. We actually found that only 26% of Gen Zers and only 33% of millennials completely combine their finances with their significant other. That compares to 45% of Gen Xers and 50% of boomers. I would stress that this whole yours, mine, and ours concept really seems to be gaining steam. And young adults in particular really seem to like this. It gives them a sense of independence, that there's some money they can call their own. But I think it's also important to have some joint accounts for joint bills. Okay, so joint accounts for joint bills. It used to be if you even got your insurance, like say the husband goes to get new life insurance and he wants to add his wife on, then he would add the wife on for some of these insurances. And all of a sudden you could not, as the woman, be released from it unless he gave the permission to do it. It's really quite remarkable how things have changed. It's the same thing with holding on to your mother, your money. I don't understand if Jen... If Gen Z want to get out there and have their own money at all times and he has his own money or their partners have their own money, what's wrong with that? It's just another way of growing together, isn't it? What I think is important is communicating about whatever works best for your relationship, You know, whether that's completely combining or completely separate or a mix. I actually see a lot of couples these days doing that hybrid approach. But you mentioned earlier all the secrets, and especially young adults are the most likely to be keeping financial secrets. We found 63% of Gen Zers have committed what we call financial infidelity, basically secret spending, secret debt, secret bank accounts, or secret credit card accounts. That's where I think we need to draw the line, you know, speaking here about joint accounts and separate accounts. Whatever you choose, it has to be disclosed. So, like, if you and your spouse agree that, 
maybe you each get a certain percentage of each paycheck or a certain dollar amount that's yours and yours alone. You know, that can be healthy, but people squirreling money away without the other's knowledge, that's where I think it becomes a problem. Financial infidelity uh, to me, in my own head, and I'm in my 60s, it's ridiculous to me. It really is. These young people are doing it their way. Why can't they do it their way? Why do we call it infidelity, financial infidelity? That in itself says, oh, you must not trust me, or maybe I don't trust you, and maybe we just don't need to talk about this, when they do need to talk about it. And if they decide one says, no, I don't want to do it. The other says, yes, I want to do it. Then what do you advise? I think the secrets are what's harmful because that's what undermines trust. That's what gets you really thinking, well, gosh, I really thought I knew this person. And what else am I missing? I mean, let's face it. It can be hard enough to reach your financial goals when you're working together. It's that much harder if someone is siphoning money off. I do think that one trend that's really unique to young adults is they're getting married later. They're more likely to have their own income. Maybe they've been living on their own for 10 or more years. I think that's what makes it hard to mesh that money personality with someone else's. One other thing I hear a lot, too, is a lot of young adults grew up with divorced parents. And I think that has filtered into their own thinking with relationships, which is, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to keep this secret pot of money on the side. I really think the fix for all this is communication and just being more open and honest. A lot of people are embarrassed about the way they handle money and they're not that confident. I think we need to break down some of these taboos, though, and have this conversation about what works best, both now and in the future. You know, think about those money goals and values and get working together, get pulling towards something that you really want to accomplish in the future. So how long have we been working hard as couples in the United States specifically? How long have we been working to try to make sure that we're not separating our finances, that we do gather them together? The 1950s and 60s and 70s, it was just the norm, right? The the man would usually have most of the money, making way more than the women. The women might have been working longer hours, but, you know. We remember <laughs> with all the talks from the parents and they decide, OK, let's join. But it takes time. Some people don't start joining their finances that I know of for like three years. And then they finally say, you know what, we should just open up an account and you put some in. I put some in and we don't ask any questions. It's different today, isn't it? It is different. And I think every couple is different, too. I mean, we can draw some generational divides here. But, you know, really, it does depend on your individual relationship. I think communication is important, transparency, honesty. Something that I find really interesting on this subject is that we've talked so far a lot about secrets that young adults are keeping and the desire for more privacy. That doesn't extend to all of their finances. They're actually much more willing to share their salary information, for example, with friends and coworkers. That's something that was really taboo for a lot of boomers and Gen Xers. And you know, these days, a lot of young people are very transparent about that. Uh, young people today also really want to know a prospective romantic partner's credit score, which I thought was really interesting. That's something that Gen Zers and millennials want to bring up early in the relationship, really as a sign of responsibility, um, whereas that's another thing that was taboo not too long ago. 
Mm-hmm. Not too long ago. You also talk about buying homes before they're married. I did that. Uh, we were tenants in common and 21 years old. Um, and I never regretted that. I thought it was a great idea. What do you say about that? This is one, to be honest, that makes me a bit nervous just because I think you need to be really careful about how the mortgage and the deed are structured. I mean, of course, Adley, married couples break up all the time, too. But Divorce is an organized process for distribution of assets. I think if you're not married and you're buying a home together, you just need to be really careful about that structure. You know, if, God forbid, you split up, is somebody going to buy the other one out? Are you going to sell the house and split the proceeds? Uh, Think about life insurance, too. I mean, that's something that is extremely important when you have that much of a big ticket item. Um, Even if you don't have kids, I think you definitely want to have life insurance to make sure the other person's protected. Well, I have to tell you, sir, as I'm I'm listening to you, a lot of the things that you're saying, it sounds like we're trying to move it, like we're trying to change or redefine it so that the young people today who don't want to get married right away, but they are in love and want to share their time with their their, um, lovers, their spouse, whomever it is, My biggest challenge is if they are not sure, then how do they become sure before they open up um, a a checking account together? What do they do? I think it's it's a big part of the overall conversation. I mean, we know that money is a big source of conflict in relationships, unfortunately. Um, Now, there can also be a lot of positives financially to sharing bills, you know, buying a home together. That's a asset that should gain value over time. It's actually usually cheaper to combine forces and pay for one household rather than two. I mean, there are a lot of financial benefits to togetherness. um, But I also think there are some challenges sometimes just with working together with someone else. So I think really it comes back to communication. A lot of times people think a budget is a way to deny themselves and basically say, well, we can't have this, we can't have that. I think you need to frame it more positively, more in terms of what do you want to achieve in the next few years or longer? You know, maybe that's buying a house, retiring early, saving for your kid's college. I think the more you can frame these money discussions in the positive of what you do want to do, and then you get organizing your finances around that, I think that's a healthier way to think about it. Possibly. I can see that. I understand exactly what you're saying. So then when we talk about sharing some details, you know, every now and then it'll come out, right? One one or the other will say something that'll make you stop in your tracks and go, wait a minute, how did you know that? How did you know I had this account? Because someone went searching in the boxes, searching in your file to see if it's happening. That's what happened. I found out by looking for something for me and found out he had his own account. Right. So that was really troubling for me. I'd rather that these young people know right off the bat, you know, if they're going to go get counseling or whatever, marriage counseling, please do it. Find out for yourself if he has a separate account, you have a separate account. And how are you going to deal with that? That's what I would say. What do you say? I definitely agree. Yeah. About the communication, about it better to come out sooner rather than later. Most people are very forgiving, but what's a problem is when the secret really festers. And you're right, people find out in all kinds of ways, you know, whether it's something shows up in the mail or maybe you're applying for joint credit like a mortgage. And then during that loan application process, there's some kind of discovery of, well, wait a second, what's this 
debt or what's this account over here? That's where I think you really get thinking, hmm, what else am I missing? I, I think it's much better, to be honest. A lot of people are embarrassed about the way they handle money. They might be embarrassed about debt or late payments or a low credit score or whatever it is. I would say it's just better to be honest and work together. And, you know, if it comes out later on, it's probably worse. So I think it's just really important to be upfront and honest about it. All right. That's good enough for me, sir. That is absolutely good enough for me. All the generations are so different from one another, yet we are all still living together in the same space. And that's the beauty is that we learn from each other, right? We learn from each other. All right, sir, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. His name is Ted Rossman, Senior Banking Analyst at Bankrate.com. And I have one more question for you, sir, that I forgot. Um, A lot of the banks right now, when it comes to banking, a lot of young people, um, the Gen Zs especially, are, are hearing more about some of these banks that are going out of business, and they're concerned. What is your advice? What would you tell them immediately they should do? As long as you have federal deposit insurance, so that would be FDIC insurance for banks or NCUA Mm -hmm. insurance for credit unions, then you're totally covered. So that's up to $250,000 per depositor, per ownership category. If you're within that, you're totally good. I mean, it doesn't matter if the bank is one of the biggest in the country or if it's not as much of a household name. Look for that FDIC insurance. And by the way, it's a really good time to shop around for a new bank account because some of these savings accounts are giving almost 5% on your cash. Now, not the big banks. They're offering really next to nothing. But some of these smaller institutions, you could get close to 5% on a savings account. It's totally trustworthy as long as it's FDIC or NCUA insured. Well, I just heard tonight um, on the news that banks are not um, are not well regulated in certain areas, and people are wondering: should I should I make a move? Should I take all my money out of the bank? It's really frustrating. So, as we talk about these couples coming together, those are also things that they're considering. Yeah, there has been a lot of talk about that. Now, I would say there's no risk as long as you're within those FDIC or NCUA insurance limits, because that's really going to be backed by the full faith and credit of the government. You know, a lot of the recent problems have been companies mostly that had way more than that. So uninsured deposits at places like Silicon Valley Bank. Um, But yeah, as long as you're within those FDIC or NCUA limits, you're good. Um, But then I think we get into that other discussion about getting the best yield you can. So maybe not settling for the zero or 0.01% from the big bank, but rather if you can get close to 5% on your savings, that could really add up. And that's the most attractive we've seen in years. You might even consider pairing one of these online bank accounts with a better yield with a brick and mortar checking account. So then you kind of have the best of both worlds, the local access, ATMs, all that, but you get a better yield on your emergency savings. So you say that those banks that are just online are safe if they're FDIC? As long as they're FDIC insured, yeah. So companies like UFB Direct and CIT Bank and Viobank and others, I mean, these are not household names, but they're giving you close to 5% on your savings. They're all FDIC insured. So I would view that as completely safe. I know we kind of, I kind of changed the, uh, the conversation, but I sure appreciate your knowledge and sharing it with us tonight. Thank you so much, Dad. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. 
All right, everyone, um, we are going to take a break. We've got to do some weather and more. And, of course, uh, we've got a lot more for you tonight. Of course, the 9 o'clock hour is all about center stage. We have some great guests that are joining us. But I really hope those that are listening tonight and hearing this story about these Gen Zs that may be getting married soon and that they should make sure that they understand or at least ask the question, show me how much money you have. Show me how much money you have in your bank account. All of those kind of questions. Boy, if you're parents and you're, you've got someone about to get married, those are some questions that need to be asked. No doubt about it, in my humble opinion. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 